This is Chronic Victory Podcast number 59. It's Thanksgiving week. Hello, welcome back everybody. And the gloves are off this week and I'm not holding back at all in this one. This one, uh, it took weeks to prepare and get my notes together and kind of prepare the most appropriate words I could for what I want to say. And it might rack your brain, but that's okay. That's kind of healthy for us, I think, at this point. It also, if, if you find it uh, disturbing or you disagree with it, maybe it'll be a sense of entertainment for you, which entertainment's perfectly fine. But first off, Thanksgiving, I am thankful for all the people that continue to connect with me, stay connected, message me, listen to the podcast. Thank you for being here. This is awesome. I hope we keep it going. And um, I want to throw in just uh, detail, if you will. If you would like to support the podcast, consider a one-off donation to Chronic Victory on Patreon. I know over the summer I lost some patrons, and that's fine. Times are tough. Just keep in mind, every $3 is another hour that I can upload, so I'm trying to bank as many hours as possible. Or better yet, there's a win-win scenario out there. If you go to findyourhealthyplace.com, use coupon code VICTORY, you'll save 30% off. You get something that you want. Uh, That small business gets something that they want from you, and they sell their product, and the podcast gets supported in a small way. So it's kind of a win-win for everybody. I like that the best. Or if you go to wildtheory.com for any CBD needs, same thing. Use coupon code VICTORY, 30% off, free shipping on both those. And uh, it's a win-win. You get what you want, the podcast is supported, and you're supporting small business, so everybody wins. With the plugs out of the way, man, like I said, this took weeks to sort of put together Um, key thoughts, key highlights, and personal experiences I've had, and that's what this one's going to be about. And I I promised, sort of promised last time that we would get a little uh, radical, if you will. And I think I'm ready for that. I think now is an appropriate time to delve into some of it and dissect it. Um, So it's going to be kind of a crazy ride today. I hope you stick around. And yeah, uh, at the end, uh, there's going to be some things revealed to you. But I want to uh, have some questions, and if you wouldn't mind sending me your responses if you feel comfortable. Um, I don't have to name anybody's name or, or anything like that, but I am curious to know how many other people out there have sort of uh, some sort of personal experience or some sort of personal truth that they're kind of uh, maybe afraid to open up about or talk about, or they kind of dismiss it because the world around them dismisses it. So however you receive this podcast today is going to be kind of based on your perception of your world at this moment, uh, your perception of me, your perception of all your experiences kind of put together and what, how, you, how you view things around you. So I ask of you, before we really get rolling here, to just please be open-minded because I'm going to tell you some things that happened to me over the years Not to persuade you or like convince you, but just share what it meant to me and what I learned from it all the way from shock to peace to calm to stillness to acceptance and all things that are relevant in not just the chronic illness battle, but just life, mental health, life, chronic illness, all that stuff. You don't need to be sick. You don't need to have trouble in your life 
to be here, to listen, to learn, to share, um, and be a part of this with me. So again, it's Thanksgiving in just a couple days. Extremely thankful that you're here. Thankful for you. Remember how valuable you are. Not just to me, but in the world. You have a lot to offer people. And I know that you've offered me a great deal of um, support and friendship. And and uh, all you guys who talk to me, you know exactly who I'm talking about. All right. So I think I had enough caffeine. And I think I took enough weeks to put this together. So let's figure it out. Let me set the stage for you a little bit. Explain some of the value behind all these things. And I would, uh, I should preface this by saying I would be lying if I said I was not anxious or emotional or fearful or doubtful about this episode. Um, and you'll see why, because I'm not, I'm going to get to the, the events and the stories, um, the things that happened, but I just want to go through, uh, I think it's important that we first go through some of the value behind it rather than me just trying to be like, Hey, this is what happened. You need to believe me. Trust me. That's not a very good way to go about it. That's not how I want to go about this. So let's just quick, I'll uh, set the stage here. And a couple readings today from the book Stillness is the Key by Ryan Holiday. And this quote here relates directly to kind of how these stories played out in my life over the past, I don't know, 12-ish years, I'd say. Let's, let's say just over a decade. And the quote in the book says, It wasn't so much that the words brought me into a full understanding of events as that somehow I had a personal experience of the events that allowed me to follow closely the meaning of the words. Kind of that notion that we can read all the things we want, we can learn all the things we want, but until you experience something, until you go through an experience, you won't really fully understand how that ties in. And that's exactly how this is going to play out and how it played out for me. The next quote says, study, yes, but go live your life as well. It's the only way that you'll actually understand what any of it means. It's only from your actions and choices over time that it will be possible to see whether you took any of the teachings to heart. And I feel that's very important for anything that we read, anything that we consume, anything that we ingest, you know, digest in our, in our body, in our mind. Quote by Epictetus, freedom isn't secured by filling up your heart's desire, but by removing your desire. And the book continues, there are two ways to be wealthy, to get everything you want or to want everything you have. The same goes for freedom. If you chafe and fight and struggle for more, you will never be free. If you could find and focus on the pockets of freedom you already have, well, then you'd be free right here, right now. I like how he says pockets of freedom because before I even read that, I thought about Uh, what I always call pockets of joy. And I'm going to have an episode later on this season about depression and suicide and and all that. But I've had people message me in the, since the last episode, even why should I not kill myself? And that, that's a pretty extreme question. I'm like, Oh, here we go. Like I'm up to bat. I got to say something nice here. And I kind of, I'll get into that later, but I basically said some days I don't know why, but um, 
I know I'd rather be stubborn and, and I know that, you know, suicide is already kind of reveals all of itself to us. It's just kind of the, the dead end. It's just the black, the bad, and it's, and you're done. Whereas like the other side, if we go through the suffering, if we go through life and just continue and press on, even though it sucks, there's still pockets of joy there. There's, there's hope, there's chance. And you don't get that on the other side of things, on the death side of things, on the quitting side of things. It's just nothingness. You don't really see hope there. And, and to me, it's just like, okay, if you weigh those two um, against each other, it seems like the thing that you're going to still experience pockets of joy in and there's chance and there's hope. Well, that seems better than the alternative. So, you, you know, just making a logical decision there, that seems better. So pockets of freedom, pockets of joy, freedom and joy. And those two things right there are some of the values behind these events that I'm going to recall for you. Now let's switch gears a little bit. In the uh, scientific world, there's a little something called quantum physics, everybody. And I don't know a whole lot about it. But what I do know is that there is evidence of unexplained things everywhere. In science, in mathematics, um, just in our in our world. You go anywhere, you look at anything deeply, and you'll get to a point where you're just like, that's unexplained. We don't really know things. And something I found fascinating while I was just going through, I don't even know what, probably some sort of YouTube rabbit hole about space, was quantum physics and, and mysterious particles crossing barriers. Like you have an actual barrier, and then you have particles that manifest and disappear for no reason, and nobody knows how that works. So picture that you have a wall just kind of in an empty space, and then there's a particle on one side. Well, guess what? The particle disappears and reappears on the other side of the wall. But how did it do that, and where did it go? Is it the same particle? Is it a new particle? How does it get back? There's so many, and we don't know that. All we know is that it was here, and now it's there, and it went through a thing. But we don't know how it went through a thing. Well, and I was like, well, how can that be? You know, our brains can't understand a lot of this stuff. It just, we're not programmed that way. And we might not ever, but it's fun to think about. And there's a YouTube video with Neil deGrasse Tyson in it. And he's a, he's more of a science type of guy. Not very, I wouldn't, I wouldn't call him like a uh, person of faith or anything, but he's an interesting guy to hear speak. And he was talking about in this video, higher dimensions, and I thought it was great. I just kind of stumbled on it. And he talks about the fourth dimension and how it's like, we live in a three-dimensional world, but there's evidence and mathematical evidence of a fourth dimension. And I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. And he's saying like, so he's talking about like a point. And then he says, in a one-dimensional space, you have two points. In a two-dimensional space, you have four points. In a three-dimensional space, you have six points. A cube has six two-dimensional sides. Now, if you take that a step further and you have a four-dimensional cube, it has eight sides. Each side is a 3D cube. But this isn't something that we can like render in our brain or picture. Can you picture a four-dimensional cube with eight sides? Each side has a 3D cube. No, not really. But the mathematics just keeps stacking on that and they just continue 
it's kind of like, okay, if you have one thing, it's two. If you have two, it's four. Three is six. Uh, four is eight. Five is ten. And it go- just keeps going on like that. And so there's a point where math is kind of keeps going and, and kind of just writes itself like a book. But the actual pictures and the actual physicality behind things ends for us because we can't put a picture to it. Does that mean that the thing, like a four-dimensional cube, doesn't exist? That's a good question to ask. I think it could, but I don't think it's something that we can see. So going back to quantum physics and mysterious particles crossing barriers and manifesting and disappearing and and reappearing and re-manifesting again, there's evidence of unexplained things everywhere. Now let's bring it to the world. So the Western world versus, say, Asia. And in a previous podcast, we talked about spiritual force. I think it was the last podcast, actually, 58. Yeah. We talked about how can a spiritual force have some sort of effect on material worlds or or material matter. And if you go somewhere like Asia, talking about spiritual forces is like a commonality. They're like, oh, yeah, like that's a thing. And that happens. And people just talk openly about it there. And I was really surprised to learn this from a man that I know who's, I mean, he's in his, I think he's in his 70s now, and he's lived in Asia for about 40 of those years. And I just thought it was fascinating that, wow, you, you bring up all this stuff over here in the States or, I don't know, any, any society with like a Western culture type of feel, like maybe even just like capital society or something. And it's like taboo. They're like, oh, you're crazy. We don't talk about that here. We talk about, you know, mindset and getting ahead and, and work and do your job and and be physically fit or you suck. And just values are all just kind of misplaced. And um, we don't really have a, a starting point a lot of the time. And so I thought that was kind of cool. Like, wow, there's, so there's other places in the world where people just talk about this stuff like it's common like this is a coffee shop conversation in asia where here in the western world it could be a psych ward um (laughs) kind of plan of attack let's talk about your mental health uh when really um i mean most of the time for me like when I, i get very open about this stuff i'm kind of brainstorming as i'm speaking if you couldn't tell that already and i just love to try and you know i don't want to solve the the puzzle, because I know it won't, um, but just thinking about it is is a nice freedom to have and kind of keeps a, a very nice perspective. So perspective, freedom, joy, these are all things that these stories that I'm going to tell you have, th- this is the value behind it, an amazing perspective where things that might be seem large to you right now, some big problem, some big issue that you have are going to seem a lot smaller afterwards. And that's my hope that I can uh, that I can be able to use my words to paint a picture for people to hear, and th- and then perhaps, just perhaps in the future, that those large problems can become smaller for you guys too. This is not an easy thing to talk about. This is going to be a really hard podcast to deliver, but I I know I just feel like now is the right time. And if I keep waiting for what I think is going to be the perfect time. I might totally miss it or I might not just ever come back. So I have to just talk about it. And so one other thing I want to say before I get going deeper here 
is that a lot of what I'm going to tell you, a lot of these experiences I'm going to talk about are not an observational truth. And I understand that. They're my personal truth. It's something that I had been a part of, that I experienced, and nobody's there to back me up. I I understand that. And what am I talking about? I'm talking about strange stuff, strange things, and supernatural occurrences. That's always fun to, like, break the ice with. Supernatural stuff. And you know, what's kind of funny is I'm a Christian, and I've noticed when I told a lot of other Christians about this, they're like, oh, they're cool. Uh, yeah. Okay, bye. Like, you're strange. And then they, they, they don't believe in, like, supernatural occurrence. And I'm like, how can that be? Because Jesus and a lot of things that happen in the Bible are like, dude, this whole book is supernatural occurrence. And it's wild. And it's, it's out there. And it's awesome. And so I have a hard time grasping, like, how people can be like, oh, yeah, I, I'm, a, I'm a Christian. I follow Jesus. Lord and Savior, read the Bible, go to church every Sunday, but uh, that stuff doesn't happen. That was just stories and blah, blah, blah. And, and I have a hard time grasping and understanding. But then I have to go back and think, well, what is their observational truth? How is that affecting their personal truth? Maybe they haven't been had anything revealed to them in a strange way. And it doesn't make them like less of a person. That's perfectly fine. It's totally normal. In fact, uh, Sometimes it's so overwhelming to think about or tiring to talk about that you kind of wish in a way, geez, uh, ignorance might be bliss. Who's that cipher from the Matrix? Why, oh, why didn't I take the blue pill? I think he says. It's kind of like that. So supernatural occurrences, strange things. And what, what I think I would say to all the people who are like, yeah, you're crazy, dude. You don't know what you don't know. And I, and I realized this only after I started telling my story to people, like my full story, where some of them were like totally, they totally understood it and grasped it. And I got a sense of where they're at in their life and, and what they've, what they know. And then the other half of people are just like, they don't have a frame of reference. They don't have something to go back on and compare it to. And so it's almost like you're talking gibberish or speaking another language to them. And they just kind of nod respectfully, politely, and then go your separate ways and consider you a nutbar for eternity. So if somebody doesn't have a frame of reference, how do you explain something to them? Like if I try to explain things to my five-year-old who's like, what's the stock market? What what the, what am I going to? And then I start explaining, well, you see the stock market is the, like, she's going to sit there like, what the f- are you even saying? What are you even saying to me? I don't understand. Or sarcasm. I had one of my kids ask me like, what's, what's sarcasm mean? And I said, well, it's kind of like if you say this and they go, so it's being mean. And I'm like, well, no, not exactly. It depends on the, and then it's like, I don't really know. You get to a point where somebody's brain isn't developed enough, perhaps like, like children's and you can't explain things in words because they haven't they haven't experienced sarcasm they haven't seen or learned about the stock market or whatever crazy subject you can pick from i'm just using those two cuz that's what my kids were trying to trying to get us to talk about and something extremely difficult for human beings to do 
is consider or believe in anything unseen with the eyes. Oh, if I didn't see it, it didn't happen. Our human brains, they're always trying to rationalize or explain everything away, everything that we input. But it's limited. And I got I to gotta remind myself this all the time. We are limited to our own observations, our own perceptions, and our own knowledge. Why? Because we don't know what we don't know. Does that make sense? We don't know what we don't know yet. And there's no way of knowing it unless you experience it. So even though I'm going to say some words in the next hour or so, and I'm going to do my best to talk about it, I know there's going to be people that are like, yeah, you lost me. I'm gone. I don't know. Or they just don't like it. Or they, they don't have a frame of reference. They don't have something to fall back on. Like, actually, yeah, now that you mention it, like when I was six, I had this really weird experience. Uh, and yeah, like kind of what you're saying makes a lot more sense if I think of it that way. Hopefully that's the case. Because I think if you're actually looking deeply and you actually have perspective on things, and I find that perspective is something that chronically ill people have, uh, uh, they have a better perspective, a better view on things than the otherwise healthy people, most of the time, not always, but I find that. But let me ask you this. Is there anything out there that already exists that we can't see? Aside from my little uh, quantum physics lesson earlier about particles. And the answer is actually yes. See, if I think about, you know, the way I try to explain this to somebody who's like, you're full of, you're full of crap. It's like, well, how do you, like, can you see gravity? No. But if I drop my pen on the desk... Did it happen? Yeah. What if you weren't in the room and I told you I dropped my pen and it fell to the to the desk? Would you believe me? Well, yeah. Well, why though? Because you didn't see it. Yeah, I could be lying, right? Yeah, but then the person could go into their own house, drop their own pen on their own desk, and be like, oh, chances are he dropped his pen and it fell on the desk. How about the wind? The wind is, is my favorite um, kind of comparison here to something that exists, but you can't see, and you can easily feel it's there all the time when you go outside. And it's like, well, can you see the wind? No. Well, how do you know it's there then? Well, I feel it, okay? Well, how do you know what you're feeling is the wind? Oh, and then there we, here we go, like chasing rabbits. The point is, there's stuff that exists that we can't see, and we believe it. So why can't we do that with other things? And if you're already there and you're totally willing and uh, open to believing things that you can't see with your eyes, then great. It sounds like you've evolved. It sounds like you were further along than a lot of people are. And I'm not saying like, oh, if you don't believe in stuff, then you're, you're bad or anything like that. Hey, this is, this is all your choice. You, you get to decide. What I'm just asking is that you have an open mind and you think about it. That's it. All right, so I think that's enough preparation. Just once again, this is not an observational truth. This is my personal truth. And this is where, this is where my faith comes from, and this is where a lot of my perspective comes into play. And just keep in mind, I didn't know how to talk about this for years, and I just held it and kept it to myself, which I don't believe is very good for mental health. It affects you no matter what. Uh, another preface I should announce here that I'm not crazy. Um, I'm not schizophrenic. I've been, I've been tested for that. 
I I don't even take that much medication that would affect my mind. Is and even back in the day when these things happen, because that was a that was a concern of mine. Is like, oh my gosh, like what's going on here? Like, is there a, a deeper problem? But there, it turns out there's not. Um, and all I can do is my best with the words that I know to tell you that. There's no way you can just know. I, I suppose you're going to have to trust me on that. And if you don't, that's fine too. But I, I hope that I come across as as rational and sound of mind as I feel. And you know, it's a lot easier to live the lie of the material world than to even consider another dimension like Neil deGrasse Tyson was talking about or another type of world around us. And something that I think a lot of the population, especially, I guess more so in the Western world, doesn't think about or doesn't even consider into every situation in their life is spiritual warfare. Did you know that you're so valuable that there are multiple forces in the universe fighting over your soul, some for, some against you? And then there's you, like, and you have a responsibility to play too. But if you don't know that, what are you supposed to do about that? I literally just learned that this was a thing. I don't know, two years ago, three years ago. But it 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 put for me. It put like a if my life was a big puzzle with a bunch of empty pieces, a bunch of pieces missing. When I put my experiences together with the things that I've learned the last three years a lot of these pieces of the puzzle are being put in and it's starting to form a pretty clear picture. What the full picture is going to end up like, I still don't know, but I know that the picture is forming and I can see things more clearly now. And spiritual warfare is, I, I mean, you, you can't just like tell somebody about it and just have them jump on board. There's a lot more to it. There's a huge um, learning curve to this. There's There's a lot of information within biblical text itself, but you also have to use your own personal truth, your own personal experiences to see how all this stuff connects. And I would really hope that you're open-minded enough to just do that, at least compare things, at least consider it. Did this happen the way I saw it, or is something else going on here? And to me, spiritual warfare is totally real. There's sort of three events that really stick out in my mind, in my life. There's a whole bunch more, but I can't tell you everything at once. And I'll go through event number one. I was, I think I was 20 years old. I was working out late at a local gym and it was like 1130 or something like that. I stayed there till close, came home. I was living at my parents' condo. I was in the basement, had this huge basement area to myself. Uh, my own bathroom, my own shower. It's almost like my own little bachelor pad, if you will. And I'm taking a shower and uh, I don't know, I'm just, I'm just tired and just working out and I was in pretty decent shape back then, this and that. And I come out of the shower and as soon as I open the door, it's not my bathroom anymore. And there's like what I now understand to be a demon in front of me, like two feet in front of me, just like Tons of teeth, bald, naked, like rotting flesh, chains, metal, metal, I don't know, fire, smoke, bad stuff. And I never in my whole life cowered in fear like a baby, like just hands in front of me, like, Ugh! 
And I just didn't, as soon as I opened my eyes, I'm in my bathroom. It was just like a split second. And you, it was just absolute terror and cold. Like, I'm just, you're, you're dead. I'm going to kill you. You're dead feeling. And I just, I recoiled and I've never, ever experienced anything like that before. And it was so brief, but I got such a clear, vivid picture of something in front of me that I can't explain. And I just sat there probably for five minutes, just looking around and making sure I'm safe because it, it really freaked me out. And what, what do you do with that? I mean, can you, can you imagine if, if that happened to you? I mean, first of all, I was terrified. And then second of all, I'm concerned I have some sort of issue. Like, did I accidentally take too many, too much meds or, you know, I'm trying to rationalize this. I'm trying to explain it away in my brain. Well, maybe you're just tired and you started dreaming or something. Maybe you have a, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe you have narcolepsy. You just were like seeing stuff. Some people see shadows and things like that. But this was like as real as, as life, like right in front of you, like face to face. And it had malice to it. Like it, it, like it wanted to do me harm. Like it was attached. Like it's like, yeah, you're not, I'm here. You're not going anywhere. Just so many bad, uneasy feelings. And I, and I didn't understand what was happening. And so I didn't tell anybody because I thought, you know, what, what, it, it's exactly how you think. If, if you tell somebody that, what are they going to think of you? Like, oh, you must be like super depressed. You must have some sort of problem. You should go see some help, see somebody because that the stuff's not real. It doesn't happen. But is it not real because you didn't see it? Or is it not real because it's actually not real? Let's do a little exercise here on that. That being said, and here's what I'm talking about. That that was that was one of the bad experiences and one of the first. And I, I was later I just got really upset by it, like angry about it, because I didn't it was kind of like it happened and it was like I get to know that the thing happened, but if I and even if I want others to know, they're gonna single me out, ridicule me, tear me apart because they won't believe me. And it's like good luck. And I was pissed off because it's like, yeah, what do you do with that? How do you bring that one up? How was your night last night, David? Well, I saw a demon and that was a little concerning. Otherwise, it was good. I had a good workout. And it's like, <laughs> wait, go back to the first part, dude. No, let's do a little exercise. Okay. Let's say you're out at a park and it's the middle of the day and you're sitting on a bench and some person comes walking up to you and says, they just saw a UFO and they're like, yeah, I just saw a UFO in the sky. Did you see it, man? Did you see that? And you're like, no, I'm sorry. I didn't see it. Um, and they're like, oh my gosh, I couldn't believe it. And they're just like flabbergasted. They're just like in awe. They, they, they're freaking out. They don't know what happened. They're scared. They're like, I got to go home. I got to tell people. about. Okay. See you later. And you're thinking crazy. That dude's crazy. Okay. That's kind of what you're thinking. Like you don't know this person. They're saying they saw weird stuff that doesn't exist in the sky. You look up there, there's nothing there. And then they leave. And you're like, thank goodness, because they were probably going to start asking me for change after that. Okay, let me, let's let let's take it up a notch then. You go to the same park the next day, sit on the same bench, same time, middle of the day, nice sunny day. And then 500 people come running up to you, and they're all saying the same thing. 
that they saw something in the sky, that they're all kind of talking about it with each other. They're asking you, hey, did you see that? All these people. There's a, about 500 people around in this giant park area telling you that they saw this thing, and they're all talking about what they saw, and it all sounds similar. Now, let me ask you the question. Do you believe them now? How many people would it take you to believe the story to some degree? You're probably thinking, okay, well, there's 500-ish people, and they're all saying that. I mean, now I believe that they saw something. Like, that's kind of what I was thinking. Now let's switch it up. Let's take it up a notch even further. Let's say you're out the next week. Same park, same bench, same time. And now you have your own bizarre experience. And now you see the the UFO or whatever it is flying up there in the sky. And there's nobody around. Is it still not real? Or is it just something that happened to some degree that was strange. Like what I'm trying to say is at what point does something become real for you? Because we, there's kind of a continuum here. And, and this is how our brain works. If one person tells you they saw something, you're like, eh, and it's totally out there. It's totally wild. You're like, yeah, that person's crazy. Like you don't know them. You have no reason to trust them. And then if there's like 500 people with the same account saying the same thing to you, you're like, okay, well, all 500 of these people can't be crazy. I believe, I believe something's going on, you know, something happened, maybe something weird, some sort of phenomena, whatever. But then what happens when you have the experience? And, and just, we're just pretending here. Let's just pretend it's classic like UFO disc floating around, zigzagging in the sky, doing all sorts of unreal stuff. And then boom, it's just out in the space and gone. And then what? Doesn't that kind of make you like that first person? Because you want to, what you want to do right away is like, oh, like I don't know what happened. I want to go tell somebody. But then you're like, oh, I can't tell somebody because they're going to think I'm crazy. Mm. Who's going to believe me? Well, well, uh, trust me, I saw it. But at, at what point does something become real for you? Do you have to know the person? Do you have to, uh, do they have to be a certain age group? I mean, what if the person's like a 10-year-old kid? Yeah, they don't know what they saw. They're just 10-year-old. What if they're 80? Yeah, they don't know what they saw. They're just old. They don't have good eyes. Well, whatever. You can make up all these excuses. Were you wearing your glasses that day? Blah, blah, blah. Like how much evidence, how much digging would you need to do on any subject it doesn't have to be ufo i'm just using that as an example here just example but at what point does something become real for you something to ask yourself all right i'll go to the next event which is the most incredible event of my life to date and i didn't even tell my wife about it until recently um, and that's how important it was to me and as i'm learning things as I'm learning more about spiritual warfare, I'm going through the Bible, reading biblical text, um, scripture, learning about philosophy, all things to help better my mind, better my soul, um, and to help me reach people. I realized I have to open up and talk about this. And especially if we, if we can't, if we connect and we can't talk about anything we want at this point, then I'm failing. I need to be able to keep this an environment where we can open up, talk about anything. And talking about something is the only way to really heal from it. 
We know this with trauma. If we have a certain trauma in our life and we don't deal with it, it's going to keep coming back over and over again until we do deal with it and we do go through the steps that we need to go through to work towards it. And maybe you won't get rid of it all the way, and that's okay, but you can still improve your quality of life. You can still do things there. And I'm not going to talk about trauma too much today, um, but the most significant, the most wild, the most incredible thing that ever happened in my life was 2013, October of 2013, when my daughter was born, my first daughter, my oldest daughter. And so our pregnancy is our first pregnancy, obviously. And, um, you know, everything was kind of like a fairy tale. We had the uh, baby shower, my wife and I. Uh, we knew it was going to be a girl. And everything was great. Healthy girl, healthy wife, healthy dad. Although people tell me it, it's not about you anymore, David. I had, I, if I had a nickel for every day. Anyways. Uh, and then I was working. I was doing 911 and I was pretty young. I'm, I'm 22 and then 23 at the time. No, I was 22. I was 22. Or I'm sorry, I was 24. Nah, doesn't matter. But I had a lot of work stress. I'm a, I'm a young guy. I'm doing 911 dispatching. I have a ton of stress. We're always shorthanded. People are quitting left and right. Uh, I have a lot of overtime. I'm not sleeping well. I work a lot of night shift, The what we call the power shift to kind of um, support the night shift and the like kind of the afternoon and evening when it when it's the busiest. So power shift was usually like 5 p.m. to 3 a.m. And usually like it, somebody would sick out. So it's like 5 p.m. to 5 a.m. Or it'd be like 3 p.m. to or yeah, 3 p.m. to 3 a.m. Or 5 p.m. to 10 a.m. Like, are you kidding me? you would work over 16 hours sometimes. And, and I know like, well, that's not legal, but yeah, good luck telling the police department that that's not good. You're there until somebody comes in. And if you leave, you abandon your post, you're going to be disciplined. You lose your job. Nobody wants that. Especially like a young man trying to have a family and have a house and you don't want to be disciplined. So that's just the way it was. And I had a ton of stress because it felt like, um, it felt like we never had enough people. We never had enough cops to go places. We never had, um, I mean, sometimes there was just nothing too, or it was just like total boredom. You just need to fight to stay awake nights. Um, and those are almost worse because you didn't have anything to do, but sit and wait, like get ready and wait. And then all of a sudden, boom, like two 911 calls in a row, people are dying, bad stuff's happening. And you're like, ah, you go from zero to 60 in a matter of milliseconds. And you're just like, pooping your pants all the time. Not not literally, but like knots in your stomach and just feeling awful and just stressed out. And I didn't know how to deal with stress back then, as a lot of us don't in our early 20s. Okay, so 2013. Oh, my wife's in delivery. Hey, here we go. And um, everything is going well. It's like we got there, I don't know, like 9 a.m. to the hospital. And uh, my wife's in labor. And a few hours goes by, I don't know, maybe like five hours actually. And we're there. And then all of a sudden, I'm trying to keep this relatively short, but there's a lot. Um, all of a sudden, we lose the baby's heart rate. We lose the pulse. And the the nurse, and I've kind of I've briefly, 
I, I think I've told this story before in like podcast 10. Um, so I'll just glaze over it, but it's, it's what happens later that I didn't tell you yet. The nurse takes the, uh, I forget what it's called. I, I don't even know what it is, but they use this, like, it almost looks like a giant thermometer and they're like sticking it on the baby's head. Um, cause part of the head is coming out. Um, just, just a small part of it. And that's kind of how they get the baby's heart rate and stuff like that. While she throws the tool on the floor, gets another one. Doesn't work. No, no, no heart, no heart rate. Freaking out a little bit now. She throws it and gets a, another one just to, just to make sure. And like, she's doing what she needs to do. And we're trying to remain calm. Like, okay, whatever things. If we've gotten these little bitty scares before, and then suddenly it becomes an emergency and everybody comes in, doctor comes in, um, team comes in, says we need to do an emergency C-section like now, or the baby might not survive. And my wife is like, no, I don't I, I, like she did. She didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to do because everything was going fine. We didn't have any reason to believe that we needed to do this. And then it got to the point where we don't have time for this. The baby is dying. Like we don't even have time for a C-section. Uh, and like I said before, our family doctor was there and he, he physically put his, his fingers by the baby's head, tore my wife open and pulled the baby out, which was extremely painful for her. And I, and I thanked him so much since then. I mean, that guy's a hero, man. If he didn't just like take action and he just waited for us to get our head out of our ass to do the C-section thing, I, that would have taken way too long to prep and we would have had a really extra bad, we wouldn't have had our, our daughter even have a chance. There was no time for that. It just, it just ended like the, the fairy tale ended abruptly. It was now just a disaster. Um, so when she comes out, starting to choke up a little bit, that's okay. Um, she comes out, she's all, she's all like gray looking all over and, it, she kind of had a, this freaked me out too. She kind of had like a transparency to her skin. You could almost see like, I don't know, like a half inch deep and you could see all the veins and stuff. And it was just bizarre to me. I didn't, I didn't picture that would be a, a thing. Her pupils were like gray and she was, she was not there. She was not alive and she came out just dead and not breathing and, um, if anybody knows what a flashbang is, it's like a, a, a specialized grenade that you can throw to when it explodes, it lets off a giant flash and it kind of blinds the enemy. Um, it's super loud. Sometimes gives them like a ringing in their ears. You see it in the movies all the time when somebody like hits their head. Um, so it's like a white. This is what I experienced. I experienced shock for the first time. And I was usually the one that was like responding to emergencies at work and all this stuff. And it was, I, I just couldn't, I could barely stand. My knees are weak and I just froze and I didn't know what to do. I couldn't move. My body felt paralyzed. My vision starts tunneling and the outers of my vision are white. My ears start ringing and I can't even hardly hear anything. But I hear the doctor yelling, NICU, NICU, which is neonatal intensive care unit. And he's using like a suction bulb to suck on my daughter's mouth to get like the fluids out. And then he just like ran with her um, 
I think he just like cut the umbilical cord and ran with her over to like the team. There was a curtain and there was like a team of people there and he put her back there and, and I was thinking to myself, um, luckily my wife was at a weird angle laying like really far back uh, and her feet were elevated. So she couldn't actually even see our baby come out. She just was like in pain and didn't even know what was going on. Uh, so I'm kind of glad that she didn't see what I saw, but at the same time, I'm thinking now like, oh my God, she's dead. And how do I, how do I tell my wife and how do I, how do I say that now? What do I do? What happens? Is it my fault? Was I supposed to do something? Like I'm trying to think of uh, how could this have gone the way it went? And what could I have done, if anything? Probably not anything. And all that's kind of irrelevant now. We have our little theories, of course, but sometimes things just happen. And so some time goes by, and I'm feeling quite diuretic, extreme amount of stress. I'm in distress. Um, and we get word that um, they were able to revive her and she started breathing again, and she's getting some pink color back into parts of her body. And we're like, oh, my gosh, you know, what's this going to be like now? Like, what are we supposed to expect here? And then the doctor came back after, like, I don't know, half hour, 45 minutes of kind of just waiting. And he's like, Dad, do you want to come see your daughter? I'm like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I do. And And I got in there, and she was all... Uh, to the to the next room, like down the hall somewhere in this in this NICU area, and um, it's the first time I got a real good look of her. But she's she's alive now, and her her pupils were starting to turn like dark. Um, I didn't really get a good look at her eyes though because they were clenched tight, and her fists were clenched tight, like really tight, and her hands were like purple and reddish. Um, but yeah, she, she was starting to get pink all over. She had little spots where she was still gray, but she was breathing and she was actually even crying and kind of just like whining and stuff. And, and I just saw her and I was like, oh my gosh, this is a beautiful baby. This is a beautiful child. And I just, I just started crying because I, I loved every second of it because I always wanted to be a dad. I, w- I felt like I waited so long. And I finally got to meet her and I wouldn't even, I wasn't even sure what was going on. Um, and they said that she had some seizures, um, when they revived her and they're just monitoring her now. They, before they take any further action, we're just kind of waiting to see how she breathes and kind of just checking on her behaviors really. And so fast forward to, we are, uh, my wife and I get, a room upstairs it's like sixth floor of this hospital and um we've been at a lot we've been at many different hospitals different times so i think i actually when i told this story to some of my close friends uh listening that i i think i may have told you the wrong hospital but forgive me but it was at a hospital near a lake and we're on like the sixth floor and baby's on the, I think the fourth floor. So a couple floors down and in the, in the intensive care area there. And so it's, it's probably 1030 or 1130. It was late, but not, you know, not that late. I guess I'm 32 now. So it's late now. 
back then it wasn't. <laughs> well, we get a call from the doc and he says, hey, your girl is having seizures over and over and over and we can't get them to stop. Um, so what we're considering doing is something um, like this. We're going to put her, we're going to sedate her with a anti-seizure type of medication. Then we're going to put her on a cooling bed to just calm her brain down. Uh, then we'll give her morphine because she'll be shivering. And then they ended up giving her morphine. But I was like, well, let me let me talk about it with my wife and, and then we'll just call you right back. Okay. Um, talked about it with the wife and we're like, this is, we don't know what to do. Like, that doesn't sound good. You're supposed to feed a newborn baby. You're supposed to um, skin to skin contact. Like, there's all these things that you're supposed to do right away. They need attention. They need to feed. They need that stuff. And uh, this was going to be about three days. They were just going to keep her the first three days of life sedated. And um, that's not a good thing. And they were straight up, you know, we, we are not sure how this is going to affect her brain or her life or if she'll even survive. But this is the best chance that we have to get these seizures to stop or we're going to have uh, bigger problems real fast. So, of course, my wife and I are like, okay, uh, you guys have done this before. This seems like the most um, optimal way to go about it. Let's do it. We have to do it. So we did it. And then, um, yeah, turn the lights out. My wife fell asleep. I think a couple hours goes by, one or two hours. I know for sure it was at least one. And it's dark. Uh, she finally fell asleep, and she lost a lot of blood. She was already hurting. Again, it was first pregnancy, so she was in pretty rough shape, and she needed to She needed to rest. She'd been at that for like, it was like a 12-hour day for her, um, and, and then some. So I, I was kind of glad, like, finally she's, like, in a decent place. She's resting. She's finally sleeping, um, hydrated, all that good stuff. Baby's taken care of. And now I'm just there in this hospital room, this dark hospital room. And uh, outside, out the window, there's, like, um, full moon, almost a full moon. I don't know. It, it was bright. The moon was lighting up the sky. There was sporadic cloud cover all over the place. Or like you'd see holes in the clouds with like stars and then it would like a cloud would go in front of the moon and then it wouldn't. And then, um, and I just, I just laid there on the, uh, I think I was on, I was either on the bed or whatever that little silly couch thing they usually have by the window is just looking out the window. Cause I was in distress, man. I was in absolute turmoil. I was wrecked. I was so emotional over what I had seen. I was still just like hyped up on adrenaline. Um, I was also just terrified because I didn't know if she was going to survive. Uh, I was a diuretic mess. Like I had diarrhea like crazy and my stomach is just in knots. And I'm, if you could just imagine the most stressed out, like pulling out your hair kind of like shaking, like wanting to vomit, just feeling absolutely out of control stress. And I didn't know what to do, but I knew that I could not go to sleep. So I'm sitting there staring out the window. Oh, I forgot to tell you. I always forget this part. I feel kind of bad. But the night before, 
uh, we had to put our family dog down because he just randomly grew all these lumps and was like bleeding from the mouth and like internal bleeding and just like gushing blood out of his mouth. So that was horrific. Uh, so we put him down. We were already in like a somber mood there. And then uh, so it's like put the family dog down next day. Your kid might be your first child might be dead. So who knows? Good luck. And it was just like, man, one thing after another here. So I'm in the room looking out the window. And uh, you know how if you like stare at clouds for a while, sometimes you'll see little, uh, your brain will make little pictures or that kind of looks like this and this kind of looks like that sort of thing. And and that's kind of what was going on. And I was just like, well, what does that look like? And and then there were some clouds that kind of like formed, uh, my, my dog was a husky and it kind of formed like what looked like a wolf head, like not quite like my dog, but I was like, huh, like that's cool. Like that's neat. Uh, kind of looks like my dog but it's not because it's clouds and it wasn't that realistic looking or anything but it was just kind of neat um and then i'm not sure how much time goes by here but after what i think is like one or two minutes just out of nowhere is the face of christ jesus appears in the clouds just his head and it's not like the clouds themselves. It's like this bright, radiant, bluish, whitish light. He doesn't have any pupils, but he has like this very calm face. His hair is like down to his chin and uh, have like that classic Middle Eastern uh, look to him like, like they depict him in, uh, like if you've ever seen the ch- show The Chosen, that a- actor Jonathan Rumi looks almost identical, not quite the eyes, but um, other physical features almost identical to what I saw. And it didn't make sense as to like where, like how close he was or where exactly he was. But everything around me seemed to stop. And all that, those awful feelings I felt just felt like they just got sucked right out of me. Like just... Like my the knots in my stomach, the tension, the stress, the wanting to throw up, all that turmoil just got sucked right out of me. And all I felt was like numb and then dumb. And then and then I was just like uh like kind of in a uh state. And then I it was just happy. Like I felt good. And all I felt was like peace, peacefulness. And I don't know how long I'm sitting there staring at the son of God in a place that I don't understand. Cause it wasn't like in the room. It looked, it was like outside, but not, I don't even understand. And before I, before I even realized what's going on, even though it felt like I was there for hours in that state, you know, just looking upon this face, uh, before I know it is gone. And then, and then I almost felt guilty because uh, I'm look as soon as it's over, I kind of look around and I'm like, great. Now I'm seeing things or like, oh, here we go. Like, am I hallucinating? And I'm looking around, taking this in. And then I realize I'm pretty, I'm pretty with it. I'm there. I'm solid. And I'm like, okay. And I, and I felt great. Like I, this doesn't make any sense. I felt amazing. I had a really bad day. I had a really bad day before that. 
I don't know if my child's going to survive the night. And I feel, and I feel great. And that's, that's why I said I started to feel kind of bad. It's like, oh, why do I feel so good when these things are happening? I, feel, I felt just like calm. I felt still. I felt peace. I don't know how it all works. I don't know how it's supposed to happen. But it did. And things do. And what it told me, what it tells me now is like, you know, I, I had a realization years later that, you know, I always kind of asked myself, like, why did, why did I get that experience? Or why, why was I allowed to see what I saw that was so real? And it, and it literally sucked all the emotion out of me and replaced it with calm and, and just peace and just goodness. Well, and then it became pretty clear. It's like, hey, chill out, bro. Like, I, your daughter's going to be fine. I got this. And uh, I don't even know if I necessarily deserved that. But I, I don't have the full picture like God does. I don't. I'm just a man. It's hard enough to communicate things with words to other people. I don't, again, I don't know how it's all supposed to happen, but I, I know what I saw and I know what I experienced. And I know that it was real. And that changed everything. That changed the way I saw everything. But then what do you do with that? How do you bring that up to somebody? And again, I didn't tell anybody for... Well, I told I told my wife this year. I told, uh, I told a lot of... Uh, friends and people that I consider close and mentors, I told them this year. Um, and that was, was that eight years ago? Um, my daughter's now, uh, and, and it's exactly the resolution was exactly as you'd expect. We had a lot of time in the, in the intensive care with my daughter. And I, and I, and I even feel bad because I, I spoke to somebody recently about this, who I was telling my story to, and they had a kid go to the NICU that a baby, a newborn that didn't survive. And I'm like, gosh, man, like, you know, uh, I'm a, I had, I'm a man and I don't get to be able to make sense of why, um, I was allowed, you know, I was given this gift and my child was able to live and somebody else's wasn't. And they have like the same faith that I do, but there's a way that things work in the universe. And that's just the way it is. And we won't understand it. It took years just to get here to be able to say this. And um, what this did, what this did for me is allowed me to know. Okay. Now I had a frame of reference. Remember what I said before. You don't know what you don't know. And I was, I never like turned my back on God I certainly had a lot of questions, but I was never really sure about Jesus. I'm like, yeah, well, you know, what if this guy was just some politician and he just faked all this cool, like he was like Houdini of his time and just like, there's a lot more to it than what you hear. And then when I see him appear like that and reveal himself to me, it's like, okay, I didn't deserve that. I'm sorry I doubted you. You're real. I have a frame of reference now. So those of you that are listening that are like, what the heck? Like, that hasn't happened to me. I can't relate. Okay, that's fine. I, I understand. I get that. 
And, and that's the part I was really afraid to talk about for so long is that people would disconnect. People would just not understand and, and be upset about it even. Like, well, how come I didn't get this experience? And I, I don't know. How come you didn't? Like, I'm upset about that too. Like, if only it was that easy. If only we understood how it works, but we're not going to. So we need to learn how to deal with that and live with the not understanding it all part. And that's what we're talking about. But what this did for me is I got the truth. I got to know something. I got to know that something bigger than me, something more powerful than me is at work all the time. And it just made, it makes all this physical, uh, mental, worldly stuff easier for me to carry around. It makes it easier to deal with, makes it easier to accept what is going on in my life at all times now, no matter what's going on, because it all comes down to my frame of reference and what I know now and what I know to be the truth for me. Again, it's not an observational experience. My wife wasn't there to see it with me and be like, oh, wow, like, yeah, look at that. There was nobody else there. I don't even know if it was just me. Like maybe somebody else in in the city was seeing the same thing and I'll have no way of knowing. And chances are they're not going to talk about it either because of, you know, being ousted, ridiculed, kind of singled out, whatever. This is my personal truth. And so it made it easier to carry all this worldly stuff around and accept things that were happening. Acceptance. Willingly accepting what's outside of our control. And looking at the universe and the amount of time involved with the universe and what humans think the age of the universe is. Think about this time as we know it. uh, We're, we're not going to be here very long. This is like our whole life is like a short vacation. If you think about it, if you compare how long a human being lives compared to the formation of the universe in, in a, in a reference of time, I was just a child in what seemed like a few months ago. <laughs> That's what it feels like sometimes. Then boom, suddenly you're like uh, you're a man in your 30s taking care of other little human beings. My girl is eight now, by the way, and she's healthy and amazing. But life seems very short. And just thinking about that, if we're not going to be here that long, you know, what exactly should we be so fearful about? And and is this is this really my home then if I'm not really going to be here that long? Do you really think that this plane, that this world is your legitimate home? If the universe is some sort of billions of years old and this is your home and you're only here for, let's say you're here for 80 years. Scratch that. Let's give you a better life. Let's say you live to be 100 years old. Wow. That's a good long life, which it is. But was this your home then? Because there's going to be more than 100 more years after you pass. I don't think so. And that that makes all these like physical problems, mental problems, this worldly stuff, this chronic illness stuff, especially these burdens a lot easier to carry around knowing that really uh, this isn't going to be very long. And this isn't my home. This isn't my true home. Again, I'm, I'm Christian. Um, heaven would be the real home. 
and that's forever. But we don't have a frame of reference because guess what? We're not there. Just like people may not have a frame of reference for the things that I'm discussing. Demons, the face of God. That's heavy stuff, man. I get it. I do. But I hope that paints a perspective about is this, you know, anywhere from one to a hundred and some odd years your whole story? I don't think so. It's not your home. And maybe a little something I've been contemplating and uh, reading scripture and stuff also, just a little side note here, going off script. Maybe this world rejects you in certain ways because you're not from this world. You know, if you're talking about heaven being your home and somebody like me, for example, I could sit around and wallow and be like, why do I have these problems? You know, what, what is, why am I sick all the time? Why is my body failing? Well, dude, this isn't your house. This isn't your home. You're just here for a while. So, of course, like things in the world, this isn't the perfect place. Things in the world are going to affect your body no matter what here. But hey, good news, it's not your home. Of course, the world here is going to reject you in some way at some time because it's not your true home. And I'm starting to like believe that. Like, um, I actually do believe that fully now. I'm, I'm still kind of going through that. Um, but just something that I thought of when I was reading the other day, and I'm like, huh. You know, thinking of it that way makes a lot more sense than just like, you are here to suffer and do nothing but suffer. That that part doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Um, the whole, what they say in like film, all the God is the angry child with the, with the magnifying glass burning the ants and we're the ants. And that's all like easy to say. But if you dig deep and you think about your life and all the good things, and just, just, just everything deeply, you know that's not true. I know sometimes it feels like that. And we'll be talking, there's a podcast in the in the future this season two about lies and remaining in the truth and what that means. So I won't really go too far into that. All right, one more experience I'm going to share. Fast forward to 2019 in the fall. I just lost my job back in March of that year. I was in the thick of the chronic illness battle, the classic unexplained symptoms, severe pain, all that great stuff that we deal with, and um, PTSD, among other things. And I, uh, I was trying to learn how to pray around that time, and I didn't really know how to do that. But And I, I would usually go for uh, walks, which I still do when I'm able to. And so I went for a walk this night, um, in the fall time, it was it was dark. Uh, no moon. It was like totally dark, maybe even cloudy. And um, I'm out there, and I'm I'm just really down about my whole situation. <laughs> I sound like a big baby when I'm rehashing it now, but I I did. I felt like I was losing hope. I didn't have answers for stuff. I I'm just out there, man. I'm I'm feeling lost. I'm just don't even know what I'm doing. I started this podcast and I'm like, I don't even know if I'm supposed to be doing this and just, uh, I need some help. I don't, I don't know what's going on. 
And usually I don't I don't have very eventful walks, and I prefer it that way. I, I don't want any crazy stuff. I don't want any exciting stuff to happen. But this night I decided I'd do things all differently. I was talking to a mentor, a good friend of mine, who was kind of uh, teaching me about prayer and about spiritual warfare and all that stuff. So it was a very new concept to me. And listening came up in our conversation. It's like, because uh, he said something to the effect of, you know, I, I, I heard God tell me this. And I'm like, what do you mean? Like, in, and he's like, well, not in language, but like, sometimes you just know something. I'm like, well, how do you know that it's not just your mind playing tricks on you and it's just your mind talking to yourself? And um, what he said is overly simplistic, but it's also 100% true. And he's like, you know when it's not you. And I was like, hmm. He said, you'll know, you'll know when it's not you that, that you get these feelings and these, and, and then we kind of had this discussion of the Holy spirit. And, um, that was new to me too. And like, how was that different from God or is it the same? And everybody kind of has that question. And, but if we go back to what I talked about earlier with gravity and the wind, like that's a probably a perfect example of how I view the Holy spirit. It's like that thing that you can't touch and you can't see, but you can feel sometimes, or, or you can get feelings, you can get um, some sort of messages that aren't even in any language. Like God won't send you mail or even use words like most of the time, but he is speaking to you in, in different ways. And so this whole thing about listening I really took to heart this one night I went for this walk. And I, I, like I said, I was really, really down. And I did kind of what you're not supposed to do. And um, I was like, man, I was trying to pray and said something along the lines of, uh, I've done this too many times and I haven't heard anything because I, I don't know how to listen, which sounds really stupid. But that's how I felt. And sometimes I still feel that way. Am I even listening the right way? Like, good gravy. So here we are on this walk, and I'm like, listen, I've already done this. I'm trying to pray. I've, I've already been down this sidewalk many, many times doing the same thing, and I feel like I haven't heard anything. So tonight, I'm going to go this next half mile. It's just a straight shot all the way down a sidewalk, residential neighborhood. And I said, I'm just going to, I'm just going to go through and the whole time I'm just going to try to empty my mind and, uh, you know, blankly stare in front of me, empty my mind and just try and listen to anything that comes up, which is really hard to do for like half a mile. And I get like three fourths of the way down. It's really cold out. And I'm just trying to like, not anytime a thought comes up, I just, just try and squash it and just empty and just just like just feel just listen and feel not really listening with your ears but more of like your heart and and see if something happens or whatever and uh i'm trying to do this and and then like three quarters of the way down i kind of get like shivers or like what would you even call that kind of like a zappy feeling, just kind of like uh, hairs all standing up, like on my back, my arms and my neck, legs, just, and then I, I kind of just like got this very um, clear 
and it, and it's not like words or anything. It's not even in English, but what I interpreted as like my brain interpreted as a very calm keep going like keep going almost like a question it was like okay like go on like proceed and i was like oh maybe that was something that was weird because i didn't like that felt like it didn't come from me because i was just 100 percent focused on emptying my mind and and just not thinking of things and it just like boom just like happened and my body had a response too, which I thought was interesting. Like usually I can't just like think myself to um, to get goosebumps or like get the chills or like a shiver, some sort of shiver without being like, like I didn't feel cold. It wasn't that kind of shiver, says the guy who has PTSD and anxiety and panic attack. But but it's true. I, I can't, I can't. Um, Usually all that stuff with my anxiety and PTSD is involuntary and it just happens and then it spirals. Um, I can't just like think my way with intent. I can't just like think of something um, and, and then feel it and make myself, make my body have this major response. Uh, the only time I get some sort of physical response sometimes is like if, if I hear some sort of really, um, some sort of music that hits me emotionally. Like I really, Oh, like I really love it or it's beautiful or, or if it makes me feel like, like strong or what have you. And, and that was, this was different. And I was like, Oh, that's cool. Okay. I'll just, I'll just do that. I'll just keep going. So I go down the next, uh, cross the street, go down the next street and then I cross and go down the next one. And I'm going down that sidewalk and I'm just kind of trying to do the same thing. And uh, I'm starting to doubt at this point. I'm like, all right, <laughs> that was all fun and, and weird, but like, okay, chill out, David. That was, dude, that was just you again. You're just tricking yourself into thinking like you're important and something's going on. It was just you talking to yourself. And then I get to, um, I'm like almost at the end of this this next street here. And I get like this, my whole body gets like, almost like a static electricity feeling all over it. And I'm tingling like all over and I just like all my hair stand up and I just feel felt like not strong, but energized. And this big message just in my head, again, it's not in English or anything. It's just like interpreted. I, that's the best way I can put words to it. Words kind of fail here. That's the hard part about all this, but it's just this message that I'm receiving just like hits me like a ton of bricks boom and it's like why are you doubting me you've seen heaven before and i stopped dead in my tracks and i said holy shit out loud which now is kind of funny because it it's not just oh shit it's holy shit because it's, it's from the god right <laughs> it's holy so yeah stupid dad jokes but that's what happened i, I stopped in my tracks and i'm like holy shit and I didn't even know what to, I, now I didn't know what to do. Like, cause the thing I set out to do was just like free my mind, kind of like see if I get any sort of input. I don't understand how any of it works. I don't understand how people say, well, the spirit told me to, or God told me to do this and that. But then all of a sudden it happened and I'm like, um, I'm like the dog that catches the mailman. Now that I got it, now that I got him, I don't know what to do with it. I just know that I was chasing it. And, uh, yeah, it was just like, 
wow and i'm trying now i'm trying to put it together like what does that mean what does that mean like what do you mean i have uh, i've seen heaven before like when and then i thought back to um like when would i've seen heaven before well probably like a dream or something and then i'm and then i'm kind of like for i don't know whatever reason remembering uh okay what's all the weird stuff that happened to me i'm going through like chronologically from a kid teenager to adulthood and then there was one instance where i remember um one of my friends uh he was better friends with my older brother but he was still a friend to me um neighborhood kid uh he was a teenager it was back in year 2000 or maybe even 1999 no i think it was the summer of 2000 but he was on a morning paper route at like i don't know four or five a.m and he was by a country road and he got hit by a drunk driver and uh ended up being killed and that was really tragic and um you know my family my brothers and i we'd have him over for sleepovers we would play street hockey together uh he was just a really cool guy i always looked up to him yeah that sucked and i remember probably three weeks or so uh, about a month after he passed that I had a really, really vivid dream. And I'm, I'm, I'm like 12 years old at the time, something like that. And I've never had a dream this real. And it was, it was him. It was my friend. And he's kind of like on his knees and he puts his hands together and like above his head. And, in, and it's like all dark. But he's there. And in front of him is like this opening, this big bright light. And it's like opening to like just good like you just know it's a good thing so uh, this is happening and he turns over he turns his head to me and, and i mean this is just as real as if you were sitting right in front of me and we're having a conversation so just uh, as i'm thinking about it i'm just realizing kind of that words aren't doing justice to it here but i'll, I'll just keep going because this is what i experienced i'm i had the this vivid vivid real dream and he turns to me and he goes it's okay I'm okay. I'm going home, David. And I'm like, all right. And I was just like happy for him. And like, this is a good dream. And that was pretty much it. And it took me a long time to process. I told my mom about it. I told, uh, she told his mom about it. And I don't know if she wanted to hear that or not, but I took it as like, and I'm just a kid and I'm like trying to process, you know, was that me? But that was so real that it, uh, I've never had a dream that real since. And it didn't feel like it was me. It feels like I was allowed to be there. And uh, I took it as like, again, I don't understand how this stuff works. I don't know how it's supposed to work, quote unquote. But it, it seemed to me like he was ascending into heaven. Like he was being accepted and he was going home. And then I was puzzled. I was like, "But well, he died a month ago. Like, what does that mean? And well, I don't, I don't get to know that part. All I get to know is that my friend is okay. Cause he did die a horrific, tragic death. And he, I believe the car rolled on him and he was burned alive. And, and that's awful. And, um, yeah. So I'm out for this walk and I realized that uh, he remember you've seen, why do you doubt me? Cause I was thinking I was, I was just doing it again. I got, I got a weird, you know, I got some sort of signal, let's call it. And then I immediately start doubting it and thinking it's 
brain tricks or, or whatever. And then I get this big signal that tells me, why do you keep doubting me? You've seen heaven before. And then I think, okay, that light, that opening to that place in my dream back when I was 12, that must have been just a tiny glimpse of something about heaven. And I'm like, wow, you're right. I'm sorry that I doubted you. And I just felt, you know, I felt bad about that. And I was like, you know what, just trying to agree and like, yeah, I should just stop doubting and just, I felt like my mind was free. I continued on my walk. I go down the next street and then the next one after that. So we're two more streets down. And I know we've had them in the neighborhood before and I've heard them before, but never when I go for a walk, do I hear owls. It was kind of in that like state where I wasn't sure how to process all this stuff that was going on on this walk, but I did feel, I felt good about it. I felt peaceful and kind of like, like I freed my mind. I was kind of like searching for like a sign, like if this God, if this is you doing this and, and you're actually talking to me, like, how can I like, please let me know. Like, yeah, I'm still, and I, like idiot me, I'm still looking for confirmation here after what just like totally stopped me in my tracks, but that's the human side of me, I suppose. And I get to this dark uh, street, with, uh, still residential, but behind this row of houses, there's a bunch of tall pine trees. And again, the moon's not shining. The stars aren't out. It's just totally black, dark, and you could see the silhouette of the trees just from some of the light pollution of the streetlights kind of in the vicinity. And um, I just hear this owl just hooting away. And I just stopped and listened to it for a while. And I'm like, okay, this has never, ever happened to me. And it just so happens to happen to me after the after just what happened two streets ago and the two streets before that. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm trying to put this together because I've been out for hundreds of walks out here. I've never heard an owl at this time in this area. And I just thought it was so cool. I just was enjoying it and just stood there and listened to it. And I'm kind of putting it together like, what does this mean? And, I, and, I, and then I felt like I knew exactly what it meant. And it's like, remember the first thing I was told was like, keep going. And then the next one was basically, stop doubting me. I've shown you so much. And then this time was like, I just knew that the owl was a lot like me, right? He's, he's out in the dark, the dead of night by himself. Well, I'm out by myself, the dead of night walking around. The owl's doing what he needs to do. I'm doing what I need to do. The owl is also the predator. He's also hunting for something. And then to me, I just felt like keep going and hearing the owl and connecting with this owl and what God was telling me was like clear. Keep going the direction that you're going. Keep doing the things that you need to do just as the owl is hunting out here. You are hunting for something. You have a you have a purpose and a mission to complete while I allow you to be here within your podcast, within tried to reach people through that. Continue your work. Carry on. That's basically what I I felt. Like the owl is by himself. I'm by myself. It's dark. We're both out in the dark. We're both kind of in the middle of nowhere both doing what we needed to do. 
And that was a really powerful night for me. And I remember I got so energized. I think I came home and called my friend or we, we, we had like a, a Zoom session and I'm like, oh man, it happened. You know, I was like really excited. And, and then he kind of warned me like, yeah, after, after something like that happens once, like you're going to start getting upset when it doesn't happen. And he was totally right. I mean, over the past two years, I've had countless uneventful walks um, where that's where I do most of my prayer and just thinking and contemplating and trying to, uh, or else just trying to free my mind and, and kind of de-stress. But is he's totally right. Um, I've been wanting something like that to happen again, but it hasn't. But it, I also realize that's just not how it works here. Um, and you don't, you don't really get to pick and choose when some sort of um, supernatural or strange thing happens to you or not. That one was a little easier to um, bring up to people because at that time I had a couple mentors that I, like good friends that were also mentors that um, I could relate to, you know, guys that were more versed in this kind of stuff, um, better relationship with God at the time, understood about things about spiritual warfare and, you know, how valuable a soul is and, and what's really going on around us. And it's uh, being a human being is hard sometimes. It just really is. I mean, we already have our, our little squabbles and our troubles. And uh, if something's physically different than the other thing, we get all bent out of shape and, and we don't know how to deal with that half the time. So if we can't even get along, uh, you bet we're going to have problems recognizing that there's an entirely different higher dimension around us that has an influence on us at all times. And and what that looks like, I have no idea. And how it works, I have no idea. But what I do know is that it's there and that it's real. And I hope more people can acknowledge it and not just be like, oh, that's scary. That's not real because I haven't seen it goodbye. And then they just exit the chat room. No, I, I think this is something we need to talk about more because you're only here for a very short time. And it relates to everything in our life, everything that happens, everybody we meet, everything that goes on around you at all times, it's all connected and related. So some questions I had to myself were like, why did I experience what I did? Part of me is like, I don't know, and I won't know, and that's okay. Um, and, and then some of you is like, maybe me being here talking to you, spending time with you, is one reason. I like to think so. And are you willing to speak about your own personal truth? Is there anything that happened in your life to you, something you've experienced that was kind of otherworldly or different, or you just couldn't really explain it? And maybe do you fear being ridiculed as a result of talking about that? And if you're not willing to talk about that, especially, how free are you really? Do you, do you feel like you're that free? Like you have a sense of freedom in your life that's unparalleled or, or you can experience greater joy than somebody that might feel stuck? I think that's something to ask yourself. Do you have blind faith? or bold faith, or even no faith, and why? Faith is strong because you keep it through the hard times, 
But what I see often is people go through hard times and then they just are like, oh, I don't have faith because these bad things happen. And I get that. It's very human and very normal to be sour after something undesirable or bad happens. Or do we just uh, think it's a free-for-all and we're just going to let the chips fall where they may and we just act in blind faith? I don't think that's a good option either. Because then where's, where's like your moral compass? What values do you have? Do you even value other human beings? And if you don't, that uh, leads to a whole other series of problems. And then I had some realizations. After all this stuff in the last decade or more, we get to be here. We are gifted to be here. It's a, it's a gift. Life is a gift. You hear that all the time, but it's totally 100% accurate. That's why we call the present the now. We call that a present because it's a gift. We get to be here. We're not entitled to be here. We get to be here. So we need to use that opportunity and a realization that there's a way things work. I don't fully understand. I probably won't fully understand and know how it all happens. But what I do understand is that there is a certain way that things work. And I do have a theory um, that I haven't shared about kind of like the fourth dimension and when people see strange things. Uh, if you want to know it, ask me about it. I'd love to chat. But there's a way things work here. And it's not to how we want them to go all the time. I also realized our kids are not ours. After my oldest daughter's birth, uh, everybody thinks that their kids are like a possession of theirs. They're not. Uh, you were allowed to receive your children to care for them. You were assigned to take care of them. Yes, they're they're yours in a sense. Like they came from your DNA and this I mean like or not. I mean, people adopt, but they're yours to some extent. They're definitely your responsibility for a long time, but they're not yours. They're God's. And that one took me a little while to wrap my head around. And then the next part here, God loves your kids more than you do. I was like the heck he doesn't, but it's true. Now, he allowed my daughter to live, and it's not my uh, prerogative to know why, but I know that she did, and she's here. And the more I think about this, the more it's true. There's, there's times when daddy wants to have daddy time. I want to have my own time, do my own things, whereas God doesn't take a break from anybody. That's the human side of me. I can't possibly spend every minute of my day actively loving or like taking care of my children. Yes, I love them with all my heart, but my brain, I'm just a man. Like I, I'm not capable of that stuff at all times. I have my own needs also. Uh, sometimes it even feels selfish as a parent. You're like, you're supposed to put your kids first all the time, but being a chronically ill dad, it's like, well, if I don't do this for me, then everybody suffers. So I got to focus more on me and kind of feel some of that guilt. But then I'm like, okay, well, God loves your kids more than you do. And so I think that means I'm supposed to learn how to love God more than my kids. And he's the one that made them anyway, if he's the source that they came from. So that that realization uh, came about from all this too. And then lastly, I had the realization that all I want to be and all that I am is an instrument of his will. Whatever I need to do, to reach people, as long as I can reach one soul, 
one of you guys that listens and say anything to connect with you, to encourage you, to let you know that there's a lot more going on in this place that we live, in this world, something way bigger and stronger, more powerful than us is at work, that we really don't have much to be fearful for. We don't have to be miserable. That there's more joy here than there is doom. There's more chance. There's more freedom. Whereas death just reveals all it has to offer, and it's just that. It's just nothingness and black and death. And that we don't have to be so miserable all the time. And if that's my sole purpose is to, you know, I don't even know my purpose half the time, but if I can be used as an instrument of God's will then and do some sort of good for other people, then that's, that's it. That's all I want to do. Ha! Oh, we made it. Thank you, everybody, for hearing me out, sticking around. It was, uh, there was a lot to unpack here, and I have pages on pages of notes that I took to try and organize my thoughts because it's just been a, quite a ride for the past decade and more. And I just want to thank you so much for, for listening and hanging out and staying connected to me, and I hope that there's something within here that you could at least question yourself on, you know, just adjust yourself to feeling a bit better, feeling a little bit more at peace, feeling that calm and that stillness, that acceptance, that peacefulness that I got to feel. Um, I wish that upon you as well. I hope everybody has a great Thanksgiving holiday. I know Black Friday's coming up, holidays. Please consider using the victory coupon for the affiliates listed in the podcast description please consider donating through patreon or uh just sending me a message i i absolutely love uh, it's almost like candy when i get a message on instagram or some sort of email and somebody's like hey what you said here i have a question about or what you said here really really hit me hard and it was great and i just uh thank you and anything like that is is amazing even if you disagree just um i like getting messages from anybody and like i've said before any of the donations that come in they don't go to my hospital bills or anything like that this project this whole podcast is totally 100 crowdfunded project because lord knows i can't afford it on my own like i said it's about three dollars sometimes more per hour of upload and um i hope it never i hope it just keeps going and so far it's um only been going because of people willing to give and i thank you everybody who has done that so far Uh, so please consider donating through patreon or like i like to say the win-win situation there using the victory coupon so then you get something in return out of it this is a really difficult podcast to record i had to stop and start more than i have had to on any other episode so um but it feels good to finally get it out there and um let people decide see who's still around and and who's not i wish blessings on everybody that's still around and still tuning in everybody that still communicates with me i can't thank everybody enough regardless of how painful it is or what's going on with you at the moment or even if you're having a upswing and a good time stay in your fight stay in the fight and what i want to leave you with is this also The battle is not between good behavior and bad behavior. 
but truth versus deception in your heart and mind. There's different ways of knowing, of knowing things. And freedom does not come through an intellectual way of knowing, but a spiritual one through your connection with the source of truth.